You guys feel free to process that Christmas video however you guys need to. Um, I'm going to let Jade slide, but Aiden is definitely grounded. <laughs> definitely. Morning, everybody. Morning. So last night, um, as most Saturday nights, um, I'm usually kicking back a couple pints of chocolate milk and uh, watching fights. Uh, I'm a big UFC fan, and uh, last night was no exception. We had some really good fights, um, and um, I was fortunate enough to have some friends with me yesterday, and we watched the fights together. And I, I knew I was a big fan, but I didn't realize uh, uh, you know, our, our church member and my friend Jose is such a, good, uh, such a big fan of UFC. I've got a picture of his excitement, if you guys want to see this real quick. I mean, he was, um, you know, he was so into it that he would, like, you know, Caitlin would make like, kind of like a bear noise when he'd get really excited. Like, you know, I, I'm just like, wow, wow. Um, so, yeah, he, he had a great time. And um, my wife also fell asleep watching him with me. Augustine fell asleep. Um, so kind of neither here nor there, but I'm taking applications for fight fan friends if you guys are, are interested in watching with me on Saturdays because it's getting a little boring there. Um, but, you know, uh, I, love, I love watching fights. I really, really do. And, um, and it's funny. I, I really see, you know, lessons in them. And, and, and um, I'm pretty good at picking fights, too. I like to, I like to watch them and, and just kind of pick who's going to win. And, uh, you know, if you, some, some of you guys know I'm, I'm, an avid, I'm an avid, you know, kind of a high-stakes gambler. Um, I usually bet about 100 grand on each fight. And, um, you know, when you uh, – yeah, you say, how, how can you afford that been on a restaurant manager's salary? Well, it's only about a dollar and eight cents each. So, um, you know, and, uh, and if some, sometimes if you can't afford to bet a hundred grand with me, I'll, I'll let you just slide off with just a payday. You know, so, uh, so those are, you know, but I'm pretty good at it. You know, uh, there was a, one particular fight years ago where um, I think I ended up with like 6,600 6, grand out of this church alone. Lindsay Seeker. Uh, owed me like all of CVS's candy aisle because of how much she thought Connor was going to win. Um, so uh, I told her it was Khabib, and she didn't believe me. But anyway, um, I'm pretty good at it. But um, and I think yesterday I cleaned up. Augustine, you, you owe most of it to me. I think something like 1,100 grand. I'm I'm owed, you know. So I had a pretty good haul yesterday. I'm going to get diabetes from this. Um, but I did pick one fight wrong, okay? I picked one fight wrong, and, and I was kind of kicking myself for it because I did hear some commentary and did learn a little bit of insight to the fight beforehand. But I, I, I trusted what I thought he was going to do and not what his coach has said he's going to do this time. Um, a gentleman named Dan Hooker, he's, had, he's lost four out of the last five fights, okay? And, um, and, and he's just been on a, on, a, on a steep decline, even though he's a, a very, very talented fighter. So I bet against him. And uh, the reason why, though, is because I've, I've, I've seen what he's been doing. But what I should have taken into consideration, and I would have, you know, cleaned up even more than, than I did, was um, his coaches, they said, you know, in the, in the week building up this fight, they said, Dan Hooker, up until just a couple months ago, they said Dan Hooker was 90% in. He was 90% he was here. He said that the other 10% of him was rogue. He said the other 10% would say, well, I want to take this fight even though my coach would say it's not a good fight. Or I want to, I want to make this decision with my training instead of, instead of what you asked me to. He said 90% of the time he was there. 
But that 10%, he wouldn't give us. He goes, but now he's giving us 100%, and he's going to be unstoppable. Watched him go in there and put on a master class, you know, and, um, and there we have it. And um, I want to just share with you guys that that's, that's, that's us in our walk with Christ. You know, when we, give them, when we give them 90%, you know, and a lot of times it's not even 10%, but if we're, even if we're giving 90%, it's not enough to win this race. It's not enough to win. And, uh, you know, you, you want to keep losing, you know, keep, keep, keep giving most of yourself to God. Keep giving most of it and see how it goes for you because you're going to have to give that 100% because that 10% of rogue is, 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 is 100% of your, of your losses. So... Um, I want to share that with you guys, and that part's free, and I kind of wanted to boast about how much uh, money I took from Augustine last night. So, um, so anyway, um, let's pray, guys. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for who you are to us and, uh, and, and what you're willing to do through us if we just listen to you. And Father God, as we go into some deep stuff about what we can do better and some hard stuff about what we can do better... Um, just encourage everybody that that's, that's not something they have to do in their own strength. It's, it's quite the opposite. It's something that we have to give to you. And so, Father God, as we, uh, as we talk about these deep and hard things, Father God, I pray, I pray you'll just give us the strength to, uh, to surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, let's open up with uh, Proverbs 30, 29, 31. There are three things which are majestic in pace. Yes, four which are stately in walk. A lion which is mighty among beasts and does not turn away from any. A greyhound, a male goat, a male goat also, and a king whose troops are with him. So King David, and I hate saying anything negative about King David because King David was, you know, according to his word here, a man after God's own heart. And, um, and so I would never compare myself you know, in, in Mike to, uh, to, to a King David. Um, David is who I named my son David after because of his bravery. So I, I hate to dog on the guy today, um, but all scripture is inspired, right? God breathes, it's, it's able to teach, it's able to correct us, right? And so even in David's failures, we can learn. And so I want to get into that. And so David was that majestic king who walked with his troops. And it was all well, wasn't it? You know, it was, it was, he was winning. And one day he wasn't. And let's look at what happened when he wasn't. Let's go into uh, 2 Samuel 11.1, 1, please. God help us understand this. It happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab... David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the city. They destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. So um, it says that he sent Joab. Was Joab the king of Israel? It says that David was in Jerusalem. Was that where David should have been at? Let's read Proverbs 27, 8. Like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. 
I don't know what your nest looks like. I don't know what, you know, you don't know what my nest will look like, but we know what God, God's nest for us looks like, where he wants us at, where we're supposed to be at. And I believe in these moments, it wasn't David's time to rest. I believe David was supposed to be in his nest, which was with his, with his, with his troops, not behind, not on a rooftop in front, leading his troops. And I believe that there is so much safety, even in something that looks dangerous, there's so much safety in, in whatever looks dangerous to us and whatever feels dangerous to us, if it's with God, if he's there. And so as silly as that sounds, that he should have been in a war instead of on a, on, on a rooftop, where would he have been safe at? So I want to remind you guys today that we are vulnerable outside of our nest. So I want you guys to think today about what is your nest, what, what, what is, what, what, where, where does God have you at? I don't have that answer for you. You have that answer. And I, I trust the Holy Spirit's taking it to, you know, to your memory right now. But you know what you're supposed to be doing. You know where you're supposed to be at. And it's best not to wonder from where God has us at. Let's read uh, 2 Samuel 11 and 2. And I'm going to try to go through these pretty briefly. Uh, if anybody has studied David before... Uh, you'll know that you know if you're trying to pick out some some things from David, it's it's a it's a, it's a never-ending source of information, and so you kind of just have to figure out what you want to glean from it that day, and 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 go there. Otherwise, you're gonna have to pack a lunch. Um, so I'll be relatively short, and and I had to focus on just a few passages. But Second Samuel eleven two. It says. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and he walked onto the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And a woman was very beautiful to behold. So we talk about that nest. And I I firmly believe that if David was leading his troops in battle that day, he would not have seen Bathsheba on that rooftop. So there's danger there's danger in that moment of not being where you're supposed to be. When I was going through this, uh, when I was going through this and putting this together, I was uh, I was kind of talking to God about it, and I was like, "Some of this stuff sounds redundant. It sounds like I'm saying the same thing over and over again." And God was telling me, like, "So you learned you learned your lesson the first time. You you uh, you you only you only had to be told something once. So uh, so sometimes redundancy is necessary for our for our flesh to kind of keep." You know, keep hammering home the point until we get it. And I don't know about you, but I've left the nest more than a couple times. I got to get Lindsay's secret credit. She only, she only bet with me one time on fights, and she was done after that. She said, she handed me a whole bag of candy and said, never again. Never again. I'm trying to get Brandon involved now. Samuel, 2 Samuel eleven three. It says, so David sent and he inquired about the woman. And someone said, is this not, not Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So you're where you shouldn't be. We've established that, right? And now you see something you shouldn't see. What do you do now? Should you inquire further? <laughs> should you ask some more questions about it? Or, you, or should you stop? Because let's, let's be real, you're, you're not going to ever 
not be tempted at some point. You're not ever going to be in a situation where, where you get this down perfect and that you're, you, know, you don't have a bad thought or have a bad moment of, of, of potential bad judgment. But you can stop. You can slow down and you can say, whoa, I am going the wrong way. Or, or you could do this. You could, you could say, tell me more. I want to hear more. I want to see more. I want to see where this trail leads, and I'll tell you where it leads. I had a pastor one time who moved here from Texas, and he his, uh, moved into a house, and he, he was not familiar with, I guess in Texas where he was at, they never had septic tanks, and he, he, uh, he'd asked his neighbor, he said, why, why do I have this beautiful green glowing grass going in this line this way? And, all my other grass is, is bad on, on this side of the fence because the other side of the fence there's this beautiful grass. And he said, he said, you know, well, well, sir, the, the grass grows really good right there because there's a septic tank going right there, septic lines. And he said, so let me get this straight. The grass is greener because there's a septic tank under it. And he said, yes, sir. And that's true, isn't it? That green grass might just be full of crap. Pardon my French. There's so much you can do, you know, um, in stopping. You know, it's like there's so much, there's so much power in that, you know, and it gets easier. It gets easier as you stop, you know, because, because you know, the first time, the first time you, you, you catch yourself, it, it might have been a little harder, but after a while it gets to be like, no, I know it's over there. Maybe you, maybe, you, maybe you chose that over and over again for years, and you know what it looks like, so you don't ever want to do it again. It gets to the point where it's like, no, no, thank you. I don't want that garbage. You know how delicious chocolate milk is? I don't want a beer. Chocolate milk is good. You know, it's like, it's like you know, after a while, it's not even a thought. You know, you're not going to tempt me with a beer. I'll be like, you know, have you had Fairlife chocolate milk? Have you had that? It's... And they're supposed to be really cruel to cows with fair life, but I just don't think about it. I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to assume those are happy cows making happy milk. So let's talk about how we should handle a situation like this. So uh, let's go to Genesis 39, 11, and 12. If you have that, Clark. It's crazy to me seeing these kids growing up. I've been here for years, and, and you know, like, a, you know, I've, Going to Panera Bread to get some coffee earlier, and, and you know, there's one of our kids that was running around here when we were six, and now, she, now, now she's now she's waving at me in the coffee, you know, waving at me in the drive-through. You know, <laughs> um, Clark's over here doing the the the, uh, uh, the media for us. It's it's making me feel really old today. I'll tell you what. I said hey, Braden earlier. Hey, <laughs> where did this come from? Goodness gracious. Uh, Genesis 39, 11, and 12. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men was, was inside, that she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And just to give you a quick recap, if you don't know the story, Potiphar's wife, which was an Egyptian, uh, you know, uh, Egyptian officer, very high-ranking officer at that, uh, had Joseph in as a, as a house servant and had put him in charge of everything because of how good he was and how talented he was and, 
And Joseph was a, look, a, a good looker. And, you know, he was, he was masterfully, up until this point, rejecting her advances, Potiphar's wife. And, you know, Potiphar's wife, I'm, I'm, and I'm sure that wasn't easy. You know, this was a high-ranking officer. You know, I'm sure this wasn't, like, hatchet face from crybaby that he was rejecting. It was probably, you know, closer to Sandy from Greece. You know, I mean, this was probably, you know, not as, not as easy as he made it seem, you know. But, he, but nevertheless, he handled his business, and he kept rejecting this, this, this possibly beautiful woman this particular time with no witnesses around and everything else, even when he could have probably made a decision, you know, and, and a little more safety than normal because nobody was around to see it. He knew what he had to do, and he ran, you know. And, 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 and Joseph has always been to me in that moment. He's always been, you know, uh, an example of what to do right, you know, even though, and it seemed like it cost him everything because he got in so much trouble afterwards, but didn't it go good for him because he went, did the right thing? Didn't God take care of him in those provisions? And you can go back and read the story more because I didn't want to make it a long, long sermon. But nevertheless, Joseph ran. And sometimes that's what we have to do, guys. If, you're, if you have a bad situation in front of you and you know that it's, it's going to cause you a problem, make the decision to run. And uh, Clark and I, we've prepared a uh, kind of an audible tool for you guys, like something to just kind of go back in your head and hear it. And so every time you get to this place where you feel like you should run, oh, we want you to hear this sound right here, okay? I think this will really help. Just kind of get this in your head, okay, guys? Let's play it twice, okay? Let's get it sunk in. Yes. Okay. So, you got to just do that, okay? I mean, like, I, I know it sounds silly, but, like, you know, there's been times in my life where I knew if I did, if I went to this place, I went to this part, I went to whatever it was, might not end well for me. So, guess what I did? Went the other direction. Run. You laugh at you guys later on, something's going to come up, and you're going to hear, run. And do it. And do it. So Joseph didn't stay around to be enticed. He ran. When you see the opportunity present itself to, for you to sin, run. And you've got to understand something. Sometimes that line you're about to cross is actually a finish line because it's going to finish you. So run from it. Let's go back to Samuel here. Let's go to 2 Samuel 11, 4. Second Samuel eleven four. Okay, um, be glad to read it to you. Just pretend it's up there, guys. I was pre- I was preaching at a church one time. It was really really. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Senior inclined, um, and and so I, I asked him. You know, when I, when I went to when the preacher, I asked I asked the gentleman running the place. I said. I said, uh, you know, so where's the, where's the, you know, the audible cue, or where's the, where's the media at? And he goes, he goes, we like to hear pages turn here. <laughs> so, yes, sir. So we're back to that. So 2 Samuel eleven four, and I'm reading out of NKJV. It says, 
Then David sent messengers and took her, being Bathsheba. She came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. And this is kind of sad to me. And, and you know, you, you, can, you can read all kinds of commentary online and, you know, and, and, and uh, different interpretations of, of what they think happened. You know, a lot of, a lot of things will, you know, a lot, a lot of commentary will say that, that David raped Bathsheba or, you know, it, it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't consensual. I, I, I don't know the answer fully. I, I, I believe that it was consensual possibly because, I mean, I don't really know that she felt there was an answer to, you know, when a king, bring, when a king summons you, you, you have to come. Uh, but either way, he was in a position of power over her, and it was, uh, you know, a, a situation where. And another problem with 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 his power over her is, is when she's in the lion side of David, there. What was she what she was likely doing was fulfilling the law of Moses by cleansing herself after a menstrual cycle. So so, essentially, David saw Bathsheba doing what she was supposed to be doing. But he was doing, not doing what he was supposed to be doing and wound up taking her into this with him. And I, I know we've talked about this a million times here, but it's just, just, it's just the truth. We don't fall alone. You know, we don't fall alone. So David took Bathsheba down with him in this, in this situation. Uh, do you have 2 Samuel 11, 5? If not, I'll keep this uh, Bible open. That's probably my fault, honestly. Um, and the woman conceived, so she sent and told David and said, I am with child. So it seems like such a, little, a short little verse to talk about, but what I noticed about this is, you know, uh, Darcy and I, we've, we've, we've had, um, you know, a million pregnancies, and, uh, and so I know how this works. You know, uh, we don't wake up one day and find out we're pregnant, you know, after, you know, it's, 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 not, it's not a quick matter of knowing whether you're pregnant or not. It could be, you know, at best five weeks, you know, maybe six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, you know, 20 weeks, you know. Uh, some people, some people don't find out until almost, almost time to have the baby, which I don't, uh, yeah, I don't understand that. I think that might be, yeah, I could, I could speculate on, on that. But, um, but nevertheless, it's not immediate, Right. So here's my, here's my question here on, on, this, on this verse. Um, so she told David, I am with child. doesn't say she sent a messenger to the front, of the, the front of the war to let David know while he was in battle that I'm with child. So this means six weeks, five weeks, whatever it was, eight weeks, two months, three months. David's still on his rooftop, isn't he? He has not went back to what he was supposed to be doing. So you have now two or three months, perhaps, of David not following God in the battle anymore and, 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 and letting someone else do it for him. And that's problematic to me. So again, what, if you get to that place, you have to stop there. You know, uh, David should have seen the fact that he was falling, that he was messing up, and he should have got back to work. But instead, he kept resting. And in, in that complacency cost him dearly. Let's read uh, Proverbs 27, 23. 
Back to the old school, old timey way. We're gonna do some hymns after this too. It's gonna be fun. It's not a bad idea if you're gonna get Karen involved with that. I am down. Twenty seven twenty three. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. So David, from a young age, was a masterful shepherd. We remember that, right? We remember, you know, the stories of him, you know, uh, you know, uh, I mean, killing lions and bears to take care of his sheep. And he was, later on in life, given much more than sheep to take care of. But somewhere along the way, he forgot to tend to them. And uh, I want to be uh, vulnerable with you guys and, uh, and honest and, 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 and raw with you guys about this. In the last three months, uh, if you guys didn't know, um, I, I broke my back about three months ago. And uh, I uh, lost my way, you know, a, a little bit when I was, uh, you know, Emotionally and physically, mentally, with, with, with all of it, it was it was very, very troubling to me. And um, and you might say, well, it's it's fine that you're off a little bit. You were, you know, you, you broke your back. You're, you're you're you know, it's a pretty pretty big deal. Well, if you don't know me, my my wife would contest contest the fact that I'm 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 uh, got a pretty pretty good uh, pretty good uh, uh, pain tolerance. You know, she has seen me before, like dislocate my shoulder in the middle of the night, pop it back in place and go straight to sleep. She seen me pull a, uh, you know, lose, lose an entire big toenail bed and, uh, and put duct tape on it and go back to sleep. Uh, you know, so pain was never, you know, and I could go on and on. I, I, just, I just don't really care about pain. I never really have. And, um, and, um, but it, but it, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't that. So, so you can go, oh, you get it, you get a pass on that. I don't because God told me I didn't. So, so, so that's that's all I need to know. I don't care how you feel about it. You know, God God told me, now you're slacking in this moment, and uh, and I just want to share with you because you know, um, because because I was well, I, I was I was what was being you know about am I ever going to be okay again? Am I is my back going to get back get back to where I was? Am I going to ever be able to work at the capacity I could work at before? Am I going to be able to provide for my family? All those things that, I, that, that, that God's told me a million times he's going to take care of me, um, I let it worry me. And, uh, and so my, 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 my mental state, my peace of mind, my, my house suffered, my, my work suffered, you know, and uh, I'm just now getting back to work full time now, and I'll be honest with you, you know, I can see the, uh, you know, I can see changes of, me not paying attention. I can see, you know, I can see the thumbprint or the fingerprints all over of the fact that I wasn't taking care of business, that I wasn't being where I was supposed to be, that I was not fully involved mentally, because I could have been mentally. I, I, was, I was physically hurt, but not mentally hurt. And yet I let the physicality cause my mental, mental to break down. And, um, you know, and because I let those things fester for just a few months, I've got to go back and fix a lot of things that, I, that got broken because I was complacent. 
And um, I'll be honest with you, uh, because I want to be real, things might never be the same. You know, I'm, I might have to get used to a new normal of what I've, what I've let happen and, and just make changes from there and, 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 and adjust accordingly. And, 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 and like we talked about earlier, just stop, start again. But things might never be the same. And I'll tell you one thing for sure, because we talk about grace a lot, don't we? We talk about how, you know, God's going to forgive us and God's going to love us. And that's all true. But David's kingdom, was it ever the same? Have you guys read past that, the verses of David? Because, because, because it wasn't. It wasn't. You can be forgiven of sins. God's not mad at me. You know, God's not mad at me. He's forgiven me for, for my apathy. But I'm still subject to the consequences of it. David was still subject to the consequences of his actions or inactions. So I just want to share with you guys that inattention is the killer of purpose. Inattention is the killer of purpose. So, and back to my wreck, and I'm not trying to harp on it much because God's literally told me to get over it. <laughs> Um, the official cause of my wreck on the police report was inattention. The gentleman freely admitted he wasn't paying attention and T-boned me. So, inattention. So a husband and a father of 12 were almost killed due to inattention. Inattention is a killer. And it's always going to cost you a fortune, you know. Maybe not... Monetarily, but maybe spiritually, physically, mentally. You can't afford not to pay attention. You can't. Let's read, uh, read, uh, so let's read 2 Samuel 11, 6 through 7. Then David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah had come to him, David asked how Joab was doing, and how the people were doing, and how the war was prospering. David, you should know the answer to this. David, you have forgot what made you famous. You forgot why those men love you. David, you should know how they're doing. David, you should be there. You should be fighting with them and tending to them. And, you know, Uriah, Uriah might have, this might have been, you know, David's small talk with, with, with Uriah. But the fact that he could even ask the question is outside of David's character, isn't it? Because who would know better than David how his men were doing? Whose men were they? Know the condition of your flocks, guys. You know who your flock is. Because you might think, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a leader, I'm not a manager of anything. Yeah, you are. Think about who, think about who your sphere of influence is. Think about who, who, who looks up to you at work. Think about, think about who comes to your mind when I say, tend to your flock and tend to your flock. Let's go to 2 Samuel 11, 8 through 13. 
And David said to, your, said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house. And a gift of food from the king followed him. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house and all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. So when they told David, saying, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, did you not go, come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? And Uriah said to David, the ark in Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents. And my lord Joab, that's sad, isn't it? I've got to look to Joab because you're not there. My lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and lie with my wife? Because that's what you're doing, David. As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. Think about how powerfully righteous that is. So I notice it keeps saying over and over again, it says, Uriah the Hittite, Uriah the Hittite, Uriah the Hittite. So in Hebrew, the name Hittite means one who is broken and who fears. But his identity wasn't wrapped up in that at all. Because Uriah means, my light is Jehovah. So in this, in this story, where David should have been the victor, and David should have been the champion in this story, as he always usually was, you got Uriah, who was a Hittite, the broken, fearful people, representing courage, strength, resolve. And he was representing and being a life for Jehovah far more than, than David was during this time. This is probably the most controversial I'm gonna, thing I'm going to say today, so let me just say it's steeped in a lot of prayer. And I know I'm supposed to tell you this, because if, we, if, we, if, we hear, if, we, if you hear me wrong, you're going to think I'm saying that you, know, that you can do this by yourself and... and, and, and and you've got to, you're responsible for your own righteousness. But I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying, I'll just, I'll just get straight to it. Don't let someone else take your place in being righteous. Amen. Okay, don't, don't let someone else take that place. I'm not saying by all means, I, I want you beside me, working as hard as I am in the, in the kingdom. But I don't want you to work harder than me. I don't want you to outpace me in the kingdom. Don't let someone out-holy you. Do you think Trent or, or anybody else that speaks up here is, 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 is supposed to be the only person in there that reads the Bible and studies and prays? It's not the case. We all have different roles, separate but completely equal. And you have no business thinking it's his job or my job or anybody else's job to, to feed you and to, and to lead you. Because God is, God is ultimately your leader. God is ultimately your provider. God is ultimately your sacrifice and your, your peace and your purpose. And in this moment, and I, again, I hate, God knows I never want to sound like a hypocrite because I've got so much to grow and work on. I've got so much to grow and work on. But David was letting Joab lead. David was letting... Uriah, be more holy than he was, being more righteous than he was. So, 
again, this, this, is, this, is, this is something that really, really, really dawned on me that God wanted me to share with you guys today. Don't let someone serve harder than you. Don't let someone take your place in being righteous, and don't let someone out-holy you. You need to seek that for yourself, not in any kind of battle or, or championship for, for, for who's going to be better than the other, but, 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 but because God is your standard. Because God is your standard. God, I'm so far from that. So I, I'm right there with you. I'm preaching to myself, guys. But you should not be letting someone else pray more than you, letting someone else read more than you, letting someone more study more than you, letting someone love their, their, their neighbors and their coworkers more than you. You should be pacing them or outpacing them and hoping they step up too because this is the race that we're in. I don't know how, how much more to emphasize that to make sure you guys understand that. God has a place for you and he doesn't want someone else taking it. It's yours. And he's given it to you freely and he's given you everything you need to take that place. But you've got to grab it and you've got to take it. Don't you let someone else take it from you. Don't you let someone else be that person because you're not going to do it. David was supposed to be David in that moment. Let's read 2 Samuel 11, 14 through 17, if you haven't. In the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab and is sent by the hand of Uriah. Let's stop there for just a second because Uriah was such a faithful man that he had his own death warrant in his hand and David knew he wasn't going to read it. In the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in a letter saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down and die. So it was, while Joab besieged the city, that he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew there was valiant men. And then the men of that city came out and fought with Joab. And some of the people of the servants of David fell. And Uriah the Hittite died also. So we have this place where David slept with someone's wife. And then when he found out he had impregnated her, he tried to go, tried, tried, took him out of battle, which he shouldn't have did that either, but he took him out of battle, tried to get him to sleep with his own wife so he could cover this up. He just kept trying to conceal and conceal and conceal. And because he kept going, you have the snowball effect of sin that ends with murder. And I guarantee you David never thought he would be somebody who would be a murderer. He was somebody who, who had to kill and kill a lot because of what he, what, what he was called to do in his, in, his, in his walk. But he never thought he'd be a murderer. And we talk about Uriah, him killing Uriah, but there was other brave men. David's men were known for their bravery and their, their, their valiant ways. And you had 
some other ones go down with him just because he had to botch a war. So you have Uriah dying, you have other brave men dying in this purposely botched military campaign. There was another big victim too. And uh, so you guys can eventually go get some food. I'm not going to go into this further. But um, another victim was Joab's loyalty and trust and respect. Joab, there's no reason to believe up to this point that Joab wasn't a faithful follower and, 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 and helper to David. Do you think Joab was happy, though, that, that some of his best men were being killed in battle because David wanted Uriah dead for nefarious reasons? Do you think Joab being the man of war, the commander that he was, do you think, you think he was happy with the purposely botched war? Battle at least. So, not going to pull the scriptures up, but Joab would later rebuke David sternly for Absalom's death. If you guys remember that, if you read just a little bit further up, you'll find that. Because Absalom had taken David's throne. Because David caused all kinds of chaos in, 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 in his throne room after this happened, okay? And that peace that he had is all gone now. So David gets, into, uh, David gets in sternly to, uh, to, uh, to Joab for letting Absalom die, even though Absalom had usurped his throne. And eventually, later on, David's, uh, David's son Adonijah would try to usurp the throne. And guess who he had helping him? Joab was helping him in that moment. I don't believe any of that stuff would have happened. I don't believe he would have had to deal with that disloyalty had David showed his loyalty to have been continuing. But... Instead, Joab had no, 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 understandably so, had no more loyalty to David. He had seen a darkness he hadn't seen before, and he didn't like it. And, um, and you know, how can you look at somebody the same way after something like that? And, you know, again, we talk about this all the time, but, but God can forgive us for anything, but how can, how can, how can, if you do something blatantly sinful and, 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 you have friends and family watching you. How, how can they look at you the same way when they see you do that? I'm not trying to bash you about that. You know, we all make mistakes and we all, we all fall short. But if you can find a way to not do something, if you can stop and you can slow down before it happens, before you have that stain on your, on your uh, integrity, do that. Do that first. Because God, God will forgive you that impropriety, but that impropriety still shows up on your person, you know, in this life. So, David's kingdom never recovered, by the way, from this series of sin. And I would say, you know, that that rooftop that David was on, he fell from that day. And although his sin was forgiven, the cause and effect and the pain will always, has always remained. So I just want to ask you guys today, and uh, we're going to listen to a song, and we're going to open up these altars. These altars are very far from rooftops. These are, these are the spots where you, you can walk down from the rooftop, and you can say, I don't want to be up there anymore because God's not there. I want to go back in that nest. I don't want to wander anymore. And I would say, I would say great, because I'm going to join you over there because I'm, 
I've been rooftop straddling myself a little bit, and it's stupid, and I don't like it. I'm going to stop. Don't make any more bad decisions for your rooftop, guys. And I say don't make any more bad decisions because David kept sinning. You understand that? Like David could have, you know, got away with a little scratch, then maybe a bigger, a little scar, but then he, he ended up eventually just causing turmoil in his kingdom because he just kept going because he didn't just stop and go, God, I've, I've messed up. And eventually he did, and Psalms 51 is a good spot to read that. Matter of fact, let's get into that for just a minute. I'm going to read, I'm going to read just a little bit of Psalm 51, and I, I don't have that for you, Clark, but uh, I feel like I'm supposed to do this. So Psalm 51, the entire prayer is a prayer of repentance about this. This is David talking. Nathan, a prophet, as you know, had went to him after, after uh, you know, this whole thing with Bathsheba went down and Uriah was killed. And part of what he said, and it starts in uh, Psalm 51, verse 10, and we'll read to 13 real quick. It says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. <laughs> I've had this conversation with God recently without even knowing it. Like, it's like, I, I hear your Holy Spirit still. God, don't take it away from me now. I'll fix this. <laughs> I'll fix this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. He's generous. Won't it come through for you? Then I will teach transgressors your ways. So I'll take it and I'll learn from it. And I'll teach other people to do better too. And sinners shall be converted to you. Sinners shall be... Isn't that what it's about? Isn't it about leading people to Jesus? Isn't it about getting back on your horse? Isn't it about everyone else that God saved to? That he's asking... That God wants to have saved? I don't know who your flock is. I don't know what 3, 5, 10, 1,500 people that God's put around you. But I know you've got a flock. And I know you're supposed to be attended to them. Some things aren't my job, they're yours. Don't make any more bad decisions for your rooftop, please. Stop sitting. You can learn from David and stop. I would say David would say, please learn from this. It's one thing we love about the Bible and we know the Bible is accurate about is, is that it just it just... You know, you read a politician's autobiography and they, they leave out all the, the good stuff and they just talk about, you know, the laws they passed or the, uh, the libraries they built. But this thing, it, it just says, it puts them all out there, the sins and all. It says, hey, I did this, you know. This happened. And it doesn't cover it up. And David, I'm sure David, if he was here, he would say, learn from me. Learn from this. Stop. Get down from the rooftop if you shouldn't be there. Whatever war God's got you in, whatever war God's put you in, your provision, your protection, and your purpose is on the front line of that. I'm opening up these altars. If 
for nobody else other than myself. I'm going to play you guys a song. Well, I'm not going to play anything. I don't play any instruments except the kazoo. But uh, Brandon Lake's going to play you one. Uh, it's called Just Like Heaven. I want you guys to hear this, and uh, I want you guys to, to know that there's no shame in these altars. But there's plenty of shame staying on that rooftop. And it's not shame that God's going to put on you. It's shame that, this, that the choices you make are going are to cause you. Let's pray real quick, and then I'm going to play that. We're going to play a song, Clark. Father God, get us down from our rooftops. May we run from them. May we get back in a nest that you provided. May we get back into wars that you put us in. Knowing that all we have to do to do that is just to say we, we, we surrender and we follow you and you alone. We don't know the way. We don't know our, we don't know our next step without you guiding it. So, Father God, may we give ourselves back over to you today if we've, if, we've, if, we've, if we've stepped up and started looking around at stuff we shouldn't look at, if we've put ourselves in places we shouldn't be at. We don't have to keep going that way. We can stop before it gets any more broken. <laughs> Father God, breath. Break, it, break us down any, any way you need to, Father God, to get, you get, us, get us closer to you. Take us down from our rooftops in Jesus' name. Amen. For your glory. <laughs>